Welcome to Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak, where we explore the tools and tactics that drive improvement. If you're hungry for more and better, if you want to move past hype and discuss how, you're in the right place. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine. For this episode, I brought a friend. My guest today is Daniel Steer. His last name is spelled S-T-E-E-R-E. Daniel R. Steer is an entrepreneur, strategy consultant, and executive coach. His background includes various leadership roles in strategy, marketing, and new product innovation for technology, healthcare, supply chain, and retail organizations. After 10 years working for Fortune 500 organizations and five years working for technology startups, Daniel has been coaching and consulting with business leaders for the last seven years. He holds a BA from Covenant College, a BS in Industrial Engineering from Georgia Tech, and an MBA in Strategy and Analytics from Emory University. Daniel currently works as the president and co-founder of Simplify, the executive director of Inago Partners, and the principal and founder of Steering Ventures. Yes, that's three organizations. When he's not working, Daniel enjoys exercising, reading, traveling with his beautiful bride, Victoria, and wrestling with his two sons, Titus and Ransom. You can find him at www.steeringventures.com. That's S-T-E-E-R-I-N-G-V-E-N-T-U-R-S.com. All right. So, Daniel, uh, this is doubly fun for me. I mean, this is kind of a, like, I love the podcast. I love the content. I'm a big fan of you. But what's super fun is that we've known each other, dang, 25 years? I mean, I like I like to say that you, you're one of the few people who actually knew me when I had hair. Um, <laughs> yes. Which, which even my wife can't say that. <laughs> yes. That's a small set. Mo- most of them uh, have disappeared over the years. I mean, I don't know what mm-hmm. you're going to do, right? Right. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's in the land. I can neither confirm nor deny why <laughs> yeah. they're no longer around. Right. Right. But, Where'd they all go? Um, yeah. No. And the, probably the reason I'm still here is because. What's the Cold War term? Mutually assured destruction, right? Like, oh, absolutely. I mean, I may have pictures of you with hair, but um, but you have some pictures <laughs> from my theater days as well. I have, I have worse pictures of you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, like, you can post yours. I'll just post mine, right? Like, it's, and, and, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave that there for your audience. They're like, what? What's a worse <laughs> picture of Scott than Daniel with hair? You yeah. don't want to know. Don't yeah. don't yeah, let your mind go. Because let's be clear, there's a reason that once Daniel shaved his head, he never went back. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. you did this long before you were going bald. If you are nobody will know if you ever go bald, right? Like you just you're right. smooth domed. I was rocking the Justin Timberlake ramen noodle hair look. Yeah, let's be clear. Uh, not almost not, a, almost not modern a, cool Justin. Like we're talking no 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 no, no, no. like. Like early 2000s boy band. Yes. I was rocking that look 10 years before him. Maybe I'm just a trendsetter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's just say that's the trend that didn't stick. (laughs) You and Justin, and he got a better hairstylist and you shaved it. So uh, not not all trends are winners. That's right. Hey, uh, you you throw some things up against the wall and some of that spaghetti (laughs) falls and we're glad. Doesn't all stick. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so so jokes aside, this is actually a decent segue into what I want to talk about because because visually, if you saw Daniel, right? Daniel is above average height. He's got a shaved head. Dude's into CrossFit, and his creds are impeccable, folks. Like, dude, <laughs> what we're gonna talk about today is actually healthy inner life. And I want to begin with like, hold on, you have to understand Daniel, who I've known for a long, long time, um, and understand that this is not his natural preset wiring, right? Like, um, I could have brought on, I know some marvelous artists friends from that side of my life, right? Mm. Could like come in and read me some poetry they just wrote about like the feelings of their soul and the (laughs) the clouds over the moon. And it would be beautiful. We'd all like weep for and feel like, dang, I need to increase my inner life. Yeah. So like, Daniel, I'm I'm kind of rambling, but like, give us some of your engineering nerd cred. Just, I read the bio, right? But like, I mean, this, okay. you're not just a business professional. Like, let's get off the official bio. Give me the geek cred. If you were going to pull out your nerd card, I'll, I'll start with some stuff. Firstborn, right? Yes. Firstborn from a hardworking uh, Puritan roots, Northeast family, Type A personality naturally, right? I mean, it, it would be uh, you take the personality test. You're the you're the driver. ENTJ. Yes. Um, yes. If you're on the Myers Briggs, if you're a disc person, I'm a high D, moderate I. If you are a right path person, I'm a director. If you're a strength finders person, I am a competition strategy, command, focus, activator, maximizer, achiever. Yeah. Because um, yeah. none of those reinforce. Bill Rossi saw that. It was like, <laughs> he's like, oh, <laughs> like, I'm like almost concerned about my right. top five. Like, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, and let's be clear. It's worked for you, right? Like what, I read your bio. Dude, you've had success, right? You've, uh, you've played in some uh, big companies. If you're an Enneagram person, I have been called the threeest three who has ever threed. <laughs> yes. Yes, I could endorse that. Okay, so <laughs> so if you don't know these personality tests, first, like join the club. I'm also impressed that Daniel can has memorized them and can rattle them off. He you can't see the video I can see, but dude, uh, there was no document in front of him. He just he knows that, right? Mm-hmm. He's memorized the details. And your job has been to be an engineer, a logistics guy, a business analyst, a consultant. I mean, we kind of, the kind of work you do is type A, hard charging, go, go, go. So like, be honest, right? Are you sure you have an inner life, right? Do you, you, you've read about feelings? You know what these things are, right? I did read a book once on feelings. Um, <laughs> I crushed it. You're going to show um, me a diagram and, and a chart. You got an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I've got an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, we're uh, gonna we're gonna go through his Excel spreadsheet on his feelings patterns. This is gonna be excellent. I I went on a date once with a girl a long time ago. Great, great girl. Uh, it didn't work out, but she's fantastic. She asked me this question. She said, "How do you express yourself?" And she was like an artist and painter mm-hmm, and all these mm-hmm. kind of things. I'm like. What a dumb question. Like, what a dumb question. Um, but I was, you know, I was indoors. Gee, why didn't that so date work out? That. I don't I don't understand, Daniel. <laughs> why I don't know. Uh, but like her question haunted me for like years. I was like, how do I express myself? And then and then I finally figured it out. I was like, oh yeah, PowerPoint and Excel. Like that's that's how I express myself. Yes. Okay. So at this point, some of you are wondering if I picked the wrong topic um, or I don't know what feelings are either. Like, 
why would I talk about this? And I'm going to skip ahead because we're going to get into a lot more tactics and tools a bit. But let me tell you, it is one of the things I am most impressed about you, Daniel. Mm. What you have built here, in spite of how your life, your world, and even what the the, the society rewarded you for, is truly uh, exceptional. I mean, it's like that's not just hey, you managed to get functional and figure out that there are feelings. Like I have seen you coach and mentor men who are wrestling through this and uh I don't, i'm not going to call out names but like uh, mutual friends of ours right like tears and mm-hmm. and heartbreak oh, yeah. through like man this changed my life so how does this guy who all your default settings are to grind and um you know stuff your feelings in a closet how does that guy shift what caught your attention i mean we called out one right somebody asked you a question about expression and it like sits in the back of your mind as this open loop like ah what the smack do i do with that what else like what how does a guy who has no external incentives to do this what triggers your attention to say i think i should develop my inner life it's hmm. a good question i don't know how much i've actually consciously thought about the origin story on that well um, this will be fun i we'll, can think we'll capture it live <laughs> well We'll discover this together. I think it's a lot of, as I look back, a lot of these small moments where I'm kind of taking stock or evaluating myself Mm -hmm. and saying, that's not working. Like, I keep trying to do this thing and it's not working. And so why? Is this not working? And what do I need to do to adjust it? I think that pairs with a lot of books. Mm. Like I've I've read a lot. You see, got a lot of books back here behind me and more over there. Uh, I started reading midway through college. And and I say that not because I couldn't read. (laughs) He finally learned. It was great. (laughs) I just didn't read any more than I absolutely had to in high school or you know before then. And, and even in college, didn't read more than I was absolutely required. Yeah, to. did the assigned reading mostly. Right. That's all. Mm-hmm. Enough of the assigned reading to pass the assignment. Yeah. <laughs> good, good clarity. Yeah. I had this horrible summer. It was probably one of the most pivotal summers of my life and one of the most miserable summers of my life. Interesting. Uh, okay, I yeah, was, yeah. This We definitely got to get into this. Yeah, so this was somewhere between Covenant and Georgia Tech. So I went, uh, I did this kind of dual degree program where I was at one small Christian liberal arts school for three years and then transferred to Georgia Tech, much larger school, still relatively small, but from a, a thousand to 15,000 students. So, you know, big jump yeah. there. And the summer in between, I lived in Chattanooga, got an internship, but all my friends were gone. Uh, you know, they were all college friends. They'd left the college yeah. town, gone back to wherever they were. And like, I just, I had no friends. And so had an apartment, got up every morning, went to my job, came home on the way home, went to Blockbuster, rented a couple movies, went to Subway, picked up dinner. Yeah, I need home. to pause for the younger listeners. Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Was ancient <laughs> store where you would physically pull out movie cartridges and hope that the latest releases weren't all rented out. Uh, and then pay out think the notice when net, you inevitably forgot. Think to about Netflix, over. but browsing yeah. through Netflix means actually walking. 
Physical right. movement required. Physical I movement. I know. These were the dark ages. It was a yeah, rough it was time. time. I can see why it's miserable. I mean, you had to physically take out a movie. This was a very dark season in my life. Uh, <laughs> and so I did this for weeks. Like, we were running out of movies at Blockbuster that I hadn't seen. Yeah. And I don't remember the day it was, but there was this one day where I woke up and I kind of had this dream of like, I'm going to wake up someday and I'm going to be 50. And this is still going to be my life. Like, I'm still going to be in a job that I don't like by myself, which I didn't like, hmm. um, with no friends and watching every movie on Blockbuster or, you know, maybe one day Netflix. And I was like, I don't want that. Hmm. And I'm going to have to change something if I don't want that to be my life. And so I took the apart the, the TV out of my apartment. I just got rid of it. I was like, okay, no more TV. Except one. Well, you like yeah. gave it away, stuck it on the street corner. What'd you do? Well, the apartment that I was living in was like a basement apartment of this, okay. you know, wealthy. So I just put it in their house. So you just moved it to the other part that was not your part. So there wasn't yeah. any, it wasn't in your part. Yeah, it just wasn't in the basement anymore. So I got rid of the TV. And then I started asking questions. So I went to people that I thought were interesting people when I met them through work or through, I think I was still going to a, to a church up there on the mountain. Like anybody that I thought was cool and interesting, I asked them what their favorite book was. And I literally kept a piece of paper in my wallet. Oh, yes. They had, they had PDAs and yes. you know, iPads and all that kind of stuff. Just kept a piece of paper in my wallet. And I would write down the books that they said. And I would go buy the book or, or, you know, borrow it from the library, whatever, and, and just start reading. And I think through that, I started to develop some more self-awareness mm. of who I was and what I was like and what I was not like. But I think there was a, there was this moment of pain. Mm. I was lonely mm. and, and realization that, wow, if I don't change something about me, I'm going to keep being this person and I don't like how life is playing out for this person. So I want to be a different person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I got to go back and I'm going to try to name some of what you said. Cause I'm thinking, hey, what's the, what's the principle or what's the, you know, the insight in this story. So there's a couple of really interesting like forks in the road where you could have mm. gone the other way. Right. So first there were weeks where you were, it was not good, but you weren't paying attention to it, right? There mm -hmm. were for a while. And at some point there was this nagging sense, like I'm not okay with this. And the willingness mm -hmm. to acknowledge it is one thing. I mean, I know from my own life, there've been times where I have been unwilling to acknowledge something wasn't working and just kept going like, no, 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 it'll, it'll work out. Right. Like I, I think I've tried to get you to acknowledge it when I acknowledge yeah, it. Yeah. I wasn't going to go there, but uh, dang it. This is the downside of having your longtime friend. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't, are you okay with that, Scott? He's like, yeah, it's great. I'm like, Really? Yeah. No, I can't. I can't literally count the number of times Daniel has asked this question. So, how's that working out for you so far? <laughs> Dang it! Yeah, I got. I'd like not good. Like not so, good. But it'll get better. What rationally leads you to assume that if you keep doing what you're doing, somehow you'll magically get right. a different result? Yeah. Dang it! But so, I, I do think this might be an interesting point, though. Is I think God has wired me 
to kind of have this analytical systems mm-hmm. mind, right? And so it's like, okay, so if I don't like this outcome, then what are the process steps that are either not here or broken? And how do I retool the system so I get a different output? And uh, and I, like again, I just want to call this out because if we aren't willing to acknowledge what I'm doing is not getting the results I want. And therefore I have to rethink what I'm doing, right? If you want a different Mm -hmm. outcome, you have to put in different inputs. I mean, we joke about it. Like I don't know if this is actually said by him, but it said that Albert Einstein said the definition of insanity. You've probably heard this, Right. right? Yep. Doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. That I've also heard every system is perfectly designed to get the results that it's getting. Yeah, Edward Demings. Oh man, Demings. That's, yep. That's so. If you don't oh. like the results, like you've got to change the system. And for me, the system was: I'm going to watch six hours of television every day, and then expect that some, you know, hot, intelligent, <laughs> godly woman is going to want to date me. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Wait. Wait. Oh. Are you saying that's not the key to, to getting an amazing it, lifelong partner? It did not work for me. Okay. Um, so. Okay, so I changed the clear. system. That's right. And you, the, the results had changed. That's that's fair because I have met your wife and and she's pretty awesome. So um, she's very awesome. And it was um, not via blockbuster expertise that you wooed her, right? Like, no, no, I've seen all those. Like, you should date <laughs> me now. <laughs> okay, so so the courage. I mean, if I could just call it that, it's my journey. Is the courage to admit this isn't working. Like everything else presumes that. And I've spent a lot of my life in denial. Like, no, no, this will work. No, no, this is okay. No, I don't need to change anything. It's it's everything else around me, right? Which right. is the second half no, of this. Or I like this. No, this is good. This is this is what I want. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're just re- redefine success. Like, no, I like being by myself. Other people are probably a big pain in the neck anyway, right? Like, I'm better off without him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Everybody after every breakup ever, right? Like, right. I'm, I'm better off without her anyway. No, no, you're, no. you're probably a moron, but that's okay. Um, so the acknowledgement of that. And then, okay, then this is critical. I have also been in this place where I have had this revelation Whatever's happening in my external world is not working for my internal life, but there is another solution and it works in the short term. And that's the opposite of what you did. You took your TV and you moved it out of the space. You removed the distraction and then you literally forced yourself to have less distraction, less time. It wasn't like, I'm going to go to Blockbuster less Right. Or I'm going right. to I'm going to get better movies or I'm going to put limits. You just were like, fine, this thing is distracting me. And I'm going to and you created empty space that you had to fill. And yeah. I, I did a lot of ways to uh, delay dealing with this stuff. If you just add more distractions. I mean, sure. the list of distractions is long. Right. We You can go mm-hmm. books. <laughs> There's drinking, there's partying, there's all sorts of... Um, We didn't even talk about the fact that this was the late 90s and internet signals just got into households. Yes, Um, unfiltered 90s internet, man. So that was also part of this equation? Yeah, like I could be left alone and find any weird junk crap on the internet I want. Um, 
that was a whole new world that had just opened up. And I spent a lot of time exploring those yeah. places. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so there's a lot of distractions, including like, dude, let's talk to type A aggressive types. So a lot of people I know are distracting themselves from facing their inner gap with a side hustle or an extra work mm, promotion or mm. accomplishing more. I mean, I, I know one friends of mine, I'm not going to call them out, but the wife delayed dealing with the fact that she was not happy with their marriage by becoming one of the top 100 ultra marathon runners in the world. Turns out when you train five hours a day and do two day long races multiple times a year, you don't have a lot of energy and time left over to face the fact that you and your husband don't have a true partnership. There's a lot of distractions that are incredibly rewarding from the societal standpoint. And you start to get into the cause and effect problem, right? Like, mm. Which, mm. like, maybe that started as a way of avoiding it, but now it's actually contributing to it. And so oh. you start to spiral. Yes, it right? makes it worse. It makes it worse, right? Um, and, and I see a lot of people, I think I've even been in situations like that as well, where I'm miserable. And so to avoid the misery, I do something, right? Whether it's eating an entire tub of ice cream or <laughs> watching four movies back to back or whatever your vice happens to be. And it actually makes you more miserable, right? Yeah. Which, yeah. which contributes to, right? Whether it's TVs or porn or movies or alcohol or sugar, or like, or, or even good things, more beneficial things like, yeah. out, right? Like yeah. you can, you can turn those things, which by themselves aren't necessarily bad, but they can become an avoidance strategy that actually makes the problem worse. Okay. So courage to acknowledge this isn't working and maybe I'm the one that should change. And then actually walking away from distractions and creating some empty space in your life. And what I love about it, you could have just said, this is, this is the honest thing, right? You could have just said, fine, I'm going to not watch TV. You physically moved the TV out of your place. And I think there's genius in that because I have many, many times said, fine, fine. I'm just going to not eat as many cookies, ice cream, dark chocolate. <laughs> I'm going to stop it. At, right, at but it, one quart. <laughs> That's right. But it's all in the house, and I will tell you, when I was getting physically healthy, I had to physically get the crap out of the house, yes. so that when I broke down, not if, when I broke down and lost my control at eleven o'clock at night, it was much, much more difficult for me to go find chocolate because it wasn't here, and I'd have to like get shoes on and go out to the store and like. And fine, I'm just going to quit and go to bed. And so that saved me many more times than the early days when I was like, I will still have a bag of dark chocolate truffles. I just won't eat them. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, no, I've had to, I've had to do this with beer. Mm. I, I like beer; it's fun, but it does not do good things for my midsection. Um, <laughs> and so, the cost-effective thing is to just buy a six-pack of beer and you know have one or two on a Friday night. The problem is they're not there by Friday because of drink them all, right? <laughs> right. Because um, you've got beers in the fridge all because week. Because I've got long. beers in the fridge, right? Yeah. And so it's it's more like, okay, I now know that every Friday I have to go to the, the store and buy a beer. Yeah. Right. And is it more expensive? Yeah, it is. 
But the only thing more expensive than that is what I've been doing, mm. which is yeah. drinking an entire six pack before it's even Friday. <laughs> yeah, um, right, right. And it's like, okay, well, that might be saving me money, but it's destroying whatever else I'm trying to accomplish with my life. Well, right? and, so, and here's this beautiful beer per beer savings might be better, but I bet you right. single beer is still less. I don't know which brands you're buying or how this, right? But right, still less whatever, than the right. six pack. And so the per beer cost is down, but, but yeah, you're drinking one to two beers versus six beers. And so right. all these mind games we justify, right? No, no, no. It's better to have it. Ju- and sometimes the way you remove a distraction is to make it really difficult or even just a right. little bit more difficult. You can get in the store and go and drive your beer. It's not that far from you. You could, right. you could say Saturday, change your mind and drive back to the store. But right. that little bit of friction is often enough to give you the space yep. to think and ask some questions. Right. Right. The the gap between stimulus and response. Ooh. Even just a little bit of gap between I want and I can have mm. can help so much with self-control. That and I think that's one of the challenges that we face in, just in society right now. Everything is so instantaneous. The moment yeah. you want it, you can have it. Yeah. And so by Creating that friction for ourselves is actually benefiting who I want to be in the long run, not what I want in my moment of weakness. That is a backwards brilliance because what we just you just recommended is that we add friction into our Mm -hmm. life and make some things less efficient and more difficult to do and we'll be better humans for it. Yes. That is backwards what all of society is doing right now. Yes. But but it is, I think there's a lot of wisdom in decreasing the friction in the ways you want to go and increasing friction in the ways you don't want to go. Mm. Yeah. So that the so that the things you want to do are easier and the things you don't want to do are harder. That's that's profound and uh the application. So that's where we'll go here, right? How, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm my brain spinning. So I was like, pause for a second. How do you do that? Well, dude, how, what does that look like in your life? So you gave me the beer example, right? Um, as you begin to progress and we've come a long way from just like, gee, I should read some books, which by the way, that's the last thing I'll call out. We'll get into it. Then you started getting input from others. You didn't mm-hmm. try to develop your inner life by like going and sitting up on lookout mountain in Chattanooga, you know, crossing your legs, humming mm-hmm. and just really getting in touch with your soul. You started asking mm-hmm. for others input and advice in person or via books. And, um, and I, so can I, I've, no, go no ahead. I've got one more thing. I think I've got one more insight there. One of the best quotes. And again, I, I geek out on quotes because I read a decent amount is character is developed through the process of your inner confrontation. Ooh, say that one again. Character is developed through the process of your inner confrontation. Okay, so, so unpack that, yeah. So I want to take two thoughts here. So I had a coaching call this week with a guy, um, with a client, and we were working through strength finders. Big mm-hmm. fan of strength finders. Like yeah. it a lot, right? But, but their yeah. basic argument is, there's the things that you're naturally good at, the things that you're not so good at. Spend your time working on the things that you're good at, because that's really the, the best way to increase your impact in the world. Yep. Totally buy it. All in. But I'm wondering, and this is happening in real time right now, if character isn't actually developed in addressing those weaknesses. Mm. 
Hmm. And so your, your capabilities are developed in doubling down on your strengths. Yeah, your yeah. Character is developed in working on your weaknesses. Wow. I don't know if I buy it. I've bought the same strengths finder premise. I mean, not, not in the abstract. I coach clients on the same stuff, right? Of course. But like in my own life, I have in many ways arranged my career and uh, even my staff who support me. So that's like, listen, I'm great here. I'll do this. I'm terrible at this. So I should hire somebody to do that. So it still gets done. And we don't have to watch me flub it up. But, but you and I both have clients that have done that. And you and I have both done that. Yeah, right? yeah. However, in the extreme, I have seen clients who outsource everything they're bad at, yeah. double down on what they're good at, and they're horrible human beings. Mm-hmm. Like they've just never developed the character that that they're interior. Like let's not call them horrible human beings. That's true, sure, sure. right? But- their interior life is a mess. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't are, even like themselves. It's not just like, they, I disagree with themselves. Them. Yeah. They are, they are lashing out at things that have nothing to do with the thing. Right. It's, it's unresolved issues in themselves that they don't know how to deal with. So they're just going to go fire somebody who made a mistake, but it isn't about that person or the mistake. It's about the fight that they had with their wife last night. Right. So they need to feel powerful again and they're going to so go. They need to feel right. Right. Take so, somebody so around the office. Yeah. We've seen that kind of toxic leadership in the companies that we've worked with. And I wonder if a lot of that is because they've not faced their weaknesses. Mm. And so from, for me, this is kind of where the books and this idea start to come together is I remember lots of books that that just shined a light on things I was terrible at. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I was just like, oh, that sounds terrible. I'm going to get started tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and what, so, what I, you guys have to understand, he's not joking. This is totally how Daniel is wired. All right. Like, so, oh, that's crap so and is, painful and exhausting. Yeah, let's, I'll do it. I'm doing it. Let's, let's do it tomorrow. All right. So this is a true story. You might remember this one, but this one is absolutely like amazing and terrible. So I read a book probably around that time, 99, 2000, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. called The Silence of Adam by Larry Crabb. Oh, great book. book. Deep book. Deep book. Deep book. All right. So I'm reading this book and there's this line where he says something to the effect of, you know, Adam's first sin wasn't eating the apple. Adam's first sin was encountering a situation where he didn't know what to do. And so he did nothing. Mm. He just froze. And he let his wife make the call because he was too much of a coward yeah. to step up into the uncertainty and, and, and make a call. Right or wrong, make a call, right? Now, whether that's sin, all this kind of don't know. But I was super convicted because I whether naturally or family of origin, I'm a conflict avoider. Mm. I I don't like conflict. I don't do conflict well. I've spent most of my life avoiding conflict. And I read that book and I was like, oh man, I have done that. Mm -hmm. Um, Easiest example, if I'd gone out with a girl and I wasn't feeling it, I'd just ghost her. 
We have a word for it now, right? Yeah. Back in the day, no. we, the, the reason we invented that word is because Daniel Steer in the 2000s, right? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> then, no. Did that, you that, know? <laughs> that word got invented long after me. Um, but I would just ghost them, right? Like I just stopped right, calling right. them back, stopped responding, and they would eventually get the get the picture, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, and you so, know, no, there's a reason the society made a word for that. There's a word for that because I'm not the only one, right? So here's what I did that is both stupid and 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 gutsy. I vowed that I would never ghost anyone ever again. And so if I'm not going to go out with a girl, I'm going to tell her why. That way, not just tell her, tell her why. Because I, I was with like, you're going to have the character to just say, hey, it's not working out. Thanks, but no thanks and move on. You, you're going to tell her why. Because this is this is classic. Theory, right? <laughs> you're literally like why well, suddenly because I remember these years. OK, you we remember talk, we were we were talking about these. OK, things. so you want to talk about society words. I don't know if the kids still use it these days, but we called it the DTR. Right. Right. The, the, define the relationship that talk. Mm-hmm. Right. Who are we? What are we doing? Where are we going? And so I remember the DTR years of Daniel Steer. And uh, dude, we may be doing an entire other episode about the variations on DTR. Oh, please don't. Please don't. I will not show up to that podcast. Okay, maybe this is a part of my mutual assured destruction is some of the crazy DTRs you pulled off. Um, I can't resist. I can't resist. I mean, just so people know, like the group DTR, where you gathered a group of girls and DTR'd them all in one oh, live God. conversation. Like that was. Oh, I'm never, <laughs> I'm never going to have a friend ever again. Okay. Here's, so, here's to get back to our point. Okay. So here's what I was trying to do. Yes. I had identified in myself that I avoided conflict. And the natural thing for me to do was to just ghost somebody. When yeah. it got awkward, when yeah. it got uncomfortable, when I didn't know what to do, I would just disappear. And began to realize that while that was very natural for me, it was not a good thing about me. Mm. And it was actually keeping me from developing the muscles that I wanted to have, right? Not physical muscles, but no, no, but I think that's a brilliant metaphor because how do you grow physical muscle? You strain it. Ideally, and that's where I'm at this point, if you want to get technical and exercise science, right? They call it failure. You have yeah. to reach muscle failure where like, I've got no more. That was my limit. And then I'm done. And that is the best way to grow more muscle is to hit failure repeatedly. Um, I practiced a lot of relational failure in those years. <laughs> yes. You got a lot of <laughs> relational muscle failure, right? Yes. Yes. A lot of it. That was too big of a weight. Shouldn't have tried it. Uh, but what it did for me, and and I'm sure that I have unintentionally wounded a lot of people along the way, mm. um, and and so that's probably now looking back, not not a great decision. Yeah, practicing uh, on other humans can be risky, right? <laughs> can be risky, but it gave me a couple of things. One, it gave me a comfort level with discomfort. Mm. I never enjoyed the conversations, but I got to the point where I was okay having hard conversations with people being able to keep your head in an emotionally charged situation. Mm. Um, that's Which hard to do. So much of our life is defined by how we react in a handful of emotionally critical moments in our life. Right. And if you I can be able to like, just you're still freaking out, but you have enough control to not do something stupid that weekend. Right. That, that changes people's I, lives. I didn't, 
I didn't do emotions. Like that was just yeah. kind of not my bad. Yeah, they weren't on your calendar of they things to accomplish. Yeah, they weren't on the on the checklist, right? So <laughs> by starting to develop that, and again, it was a lot of fumbling, really painful and awkward, probably for everyone involved. But the the intent there was to begin developing some of those things that are not natural for a guy, for how I'm wired and how I was raised. Yeah. And I think the more I'm chewing on this, the more I'm liking the idea that that our character is actually developed by working on those weaknesses. I, I mean, that's a new thought for me. Uh, I used to say, hey, you got to get your weaknesses good enough that they aren't wrecking your life anymore. Right. Just just get them so that they're not totally ruining you and then like move on. Right. But I never saw much more value in it than what you're saying. And. And okay, let me let me say this. We probably need to wrap up um, this episode. And I want right. to probably pick this up in another conversation because we didn't get to one of the things I wanted to. And that is, what does that look like for you today? What is a lifestyle? You're not single anymore. Nope. Not only have a wife, you've got kids, you've got mm-hmm. um, multiple organizations you're serving. I mean, there's a lot on your plate. And how do you maintain that when you're not all by yourself in a college town with nothing to do? So that, that's a conversation for another day. But I think where we land is this counterintuitive insight. And that is that the hard places in our life, I think a lot of us, myself, my my immature explanation here would have been like, okay, listen, if you got to work on your inner life, then you just really need to get comfortable and go to a day spa, right? Mm-hmm. Or a, a walk in the woods and really get at peace. And, and you're saying that there's, I mean, maybe there's some space for uh, for recovery, but really the growth is going to happen when you lean into and pursue the uncomfortable. And it is in the stretching, in the reaching, in the discomfort that we develop the emotional muscles that allow us then to handle the rest of life. And, um, and walking away from those discomforts might actually, in the long term, leave us a lot less healthy, a lot less comfortable. I mean, it, you know, lean into the discomfort I, and end up more comfortable. It's it's weird. Yeah. I think that you've got to stay at the principle level because when you go to the practice level, it breaks down by person. For me, Ooh. probably taking more walks in the woods and sitting on a cliff, meditating by myself, probably that would be good for me uh, because I don't do calm and, uh, and precisely because that would be an uncomfortable area for you. Because it would be uncomfortable for me. However, like you think about my wife, she's wired very differently from me. Yeah. Uh, shocker. <laughs> right. So for, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm very structured. I'm very organized. I'm very disciplined. My wife is much more go with the flow, much more emotional and relational. So for her, her character development has been, we've got a special needs kid whose life mm-hmm has to be very regimented yeah. or it falls off the tracks, right? So like she's had to mm-hmm. learn to live by a schedule. I'm like, well, that sounds awesome. And she's like, no, it kills me. Uh, she's like, I hate the structure and, and the rigidity of it. But for her, that's how she's developing her character. Mm-hmm. My character development is the opposite side of that, of sitting with a nine-year-old who's melting down and mm-hmm. not telling him to suck it up but yeah. actually entering in emotionally into what he's going through. That's not what I'm good at. But if I want to be a good dad, I got to learn how to do that. Yeah. I'm never going to be as good as my wife, but by embracing 
the things that are not natural and leaning into the uncomfortable, I'm slowly growing in the ways I need to grow to be a better version of me. And my wife is doing the same and becoming a better version of her. This is a brilliant picture to, to finish with, because if we went with my, you know, old, I'm air quoting old here, because, uh, you know, as of like 30 minutes ago, my old view of the StrengthsFinder strategy, it'd be like, listen, Daniel, my advice to you as a dad is that really the emotional stuff's not your stuff. So you should just mm-hmm. leave that alone to your wife, right? And whenever it's meltdown time, you just tag team and say, hey, you do all the emotions. And then she doesn't do any of the discipline. And you, so she just sits around emotionally with your, your son right. and, and do you help him process his emotions and you manage the whole schedule. And then you guys really just don't mess with your weaknesses. And yet when you say that, it's like, you wouldn't be, you would be less of a dad. Your son would be less cared for. It, mm-hmm. Mom may always be a little more nuanced and intuitive and deep. The fact oh. that dad can sit there with him. And while you may always be kind of the, the long range strategy systems planner for the family, the fact that your wife still can be counted on by your son to keep the schedule and, and drive that when daddy's on a trip, like, yeah, it it's clear. The strength finder thing doesn't work in that setting. And so, yeah, we should, it's both to be effective in the world. I should figure out how to really lean into my strengths, but to be healthy in my heart and to be able to, to manage my life and the people around me the way I, that they deserve, mm-hmm. And man, I maybe should lean into my weaknesses sometimes. And I, I have to tell you, it's, I've got me, me processing. I don't know if on my life plan, like we've talked life plans, I'm thinking now I need to add a category. What deliberate discomfort challenge thing am I putting into my life this year to make sure that I have character growth, which some folks might be like, um, I don't need to add that to my life. <laughs> I've, I've got a double, double helping of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like this idea of character versus competence. I think ooh, ooh, good, strength good. finders is really good on the competence axis, yes. right? Yes. Like if you want to go make millions of dollars, find your strengths, double down on them and ignore your weaknesses. You will be very competent. You will lack character, right? And if you care about character, then you need to confront your weaknesses. Mm. You need to find the things that are wired naturally for you. And then you need to find the things that you're not good at. On my strength finders, number 34 is out of 34, right? Number out of 34. Out of 34 is what? Empathy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so to have a son who's emotionally wired and Mm -hmm. special needs and a lot of challenges, like God is growing empathy in me. Now, do I enjoy that? No. Do I want to pull my hair out? I clearly already have. I was going to say, um, you wish. <laughs> yeah. But but that's where the character development comes from. I, no. There are times for me to focus on competence development. And, and that's where I think, especially as men, you know, we want to go to competence, right? We like to feel competent. Yeah, society um, identifies us by what we succeed professionally. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but the character development is a different journey. And, mm. and that comes by finding what are the things that I'm bad at mm. and what would it look like to take small steps, even awkward, uncomfortable steps to move in the direction of greater character in those areas. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on life and leadership, you might want to sign up for my weekly newsletter at www.scottwozniak.com upgrade. 
That's S-C-O-T-T-W-O-Z-N-I-A-K dot com slash upgrade. You'll get a cool quote, a deep thought, and a recommendation for something that I use and love. It's not long and it should be fun. The theme is similar to this podcast, but it's not the same content. And if you're a leader who wants to build a legendary brand, you can check out my company's website to learn how we can help at www.swazconsulting.com. That's S-W-O-Z consulting.com. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine.